Good afternoon, Los Angeles and all of Southern California. I'm Farley Malaris, and you're listening to Astrological Metaphysical Radio, the phenomenon of the 80s, on KFOX 93.5 FM, your talk alternative. Southern California. Southern. What am I doing here? I should be on the beach somewhere in the Bahamas. Maybe you're on the beach somewhere, hopefully. But I'm here and you're there, so <laughs> no beaching around here. Anyway, welcome to No Forecast Monday on the Astrology Hour. Today's topic is about the Mars cycle. We're going to talk about Mars in the natal chart, what it means, how it affects us, and the cycles of life we go through when we have a Mars birthday or a Martian effect. So today's uh, topic is called the Martian effect. Talking about Mars, very, very important, critical, crucial uh, planet as far as understanding astrology or your astrology chart or anything that would be considered information as far as trying to analyze and understand the meanings of the planets. Mars is a pretty major planet as far as effect is concerned. In basic definition, Mars, of course, is the ancient god of war. And the nature of the planet Mars is very yang. It is the complement of Venus. Mars is positive, outgoing energy, masculine in nature, and therefore rules the male part of our nature or the male effect, the male influence, or male karma, karma with men. The symbol of Mars, which is the symbol of the man, male, female, Venus, Mars, is like a it's a circle with an arrow pointing up at 1 o'clock, is uh, essentially the inverted symbol of Venus, and it represents the cross of materiality with a directed energy overriding the circle of spirit. Now, Mars is the planet of desire, energy, and action. It does represent conflict, violence, and war, or struggles within and with other people. It's closely related to our physical energy or battery of life, and it rules our animal desire or animal essence. Martian expressions are desire, initiative, assertiveness, aggressiveness, executive ability, courage, impulsiveness, resistance, self-will, adventurousness, rashness, often leading to cuts and or accidents, and aggressive sexual love, if any. (laughs) Mars rules the powerful sign of Aries and also determines Scorpio in an ancient way. Mars is the ancient ruler of Scorpio, although Pluto is the modern ruler of Scorpio. So we align Mars closer to Aries. And the aggressive nature of Mars is also easily expressed in the ambitious sign of Capricorn. (laughs) The driving force of Mars is restrained when it falls into the partnership sign Libra. So it's exalted in Capricorn and it's in detriment in Libra. And it's also in detriment in Taurus. The receptive nature of Cancer is also not compatible with the assertiveness of Mars. So I think it's in detriment in Cancer also. I think it's in fall in one of those. But I know it just does better in Aries and Capricorn and not as well in Cancer and Taurus and Libra. Also, as far as relationships are concerned, Mars does not do well in Virgo or Aquarius, whereas it does a little bit better, sometimes a lot better in the rest of the signs. Typically, the aggressive Mars in Aries is very forceful, very powerful, very energetic, and outwardly romantic. And Mars in Taurus is very physical and huggable and lovable and sensuous. Mars in Gemini is also extremely open-minded, carefree. Mars in Cancer is extremely tender, vulnerable, sensitive. Mars in Leo is also openly aggressive and nurturing and uh, paternal. 
And Mars in Libra is communicative and also very balance-oriented. Mars in Scorpio is extremely intense and very extreme. And Mars in Sagittarius is tremendously independent, although affectionate and aggressive, also travel-oriented. Mars in Capricorn is obviously a career fanatic and someone who is very practical, logical, sometimes extremely ethical. And Mars in Aquarius is extremely mental, extremely analytical and intellectual. I left out Mars in Virgo. Mars in Virgo is also work-oriented and service-oriented and also very analytical. And then Mars in Pisces is almost a combination of all the other Marses, very mysterious and also subconsciously affected, spiritual, dreamy, sometimes self-destructive, but many times open-minded. I think to understand things like your health and like your basic life force or battery, your basic energy structures, to understand your male karma, especially those women out there that are interested in men and how they affect you, or gay men particularly that are also interested in men, Mars is very, very important. And because it it is a very, very critical planet when it concerns things like our health and like our overall energy levels, fatigue levels, when it does concern things like sexual factors and basic drive or desires in our life, I think Mars as a planet is absolutely necessary in order to understand the full astrological intensity of this planet. Now, typically, it takes Mars about two months to go through one sign. Sometimes it will take longer because once in a while, like every couple of years, Mars will go through a correction in its orbit as far as an orbit being compared or correlated to the Earth orbit, and Mars will appear to hang out in one area of the zodiac for longer than two months. So Mars has been known to stay in one sign for up to about six months. Last year, Mars was in Capricorn for six months. When I was born in 1948, Mars was in Virgo (laughs) for about six months, so hence the massive generation of extremely ethical men and women that were born during the Mars and Virgo section. Here we were trying to have some sex and some fun uh, growing up in the 60s and 70s, and all these girls in my class, many of them, including my ex-wife, had Mars and Virgo, so they were really slow as far as getting started there sexually and romantically. These people are basically, a lot of them are very old-fashioned, and so they're not quick to jump in the sack all the time. A lot of people with Mars and Virgo, of course, are gay, because they're a lot of times they'll find a gay relationship or homosexual relationship will be more free-flowing or easier to deal with than heterosexual relationship. Not all people with Mars and Virgo are gay. Mostly women that have Mars and Virgo would either be extremely ethical, extremely practical, sometimes prudish, but there is a heavy frequency of female people with Mars and Virgo afflicted, meaning squares or oppositions on that Mars, one or more, that may tend to either be asexual or homosexual or even bisexual. So, you know, understanding Mars, obviously, will definitely help you understand a lot more about sexuality, for sure. Obviously, women with Mars in the fire signs and the water signs may be a lot quicker to fall in love or be romantic or be passionately involved with people than women with Mars in the air or the earth signs, which might take a little bit more time, a little slower. Same with men. You know, when we talk about men, understanding their Mars is also important as far as understanding their sex drive and their overall health and their overall life force or sports involvement, if any, sports interests. So Mars is a friendly planet, (laughs) even though it is the planet of war and potential violence. In my opinion, understanding the Martian effect is absolutely critical as far as trying to zero in on where a person is coming from and what they are all about. Now, considering that in general that Mars does take two years to go around the zodiac, all 12 signs are to return to your birth point, Mars. My Mars being at 15 Libra, it will take two years to come back to 15 Libra, which is what we call a Mars return or a Martian birthday. 
So obviously, even though I'm 39 solar years old, I'm only 19 Martian years old. If you try to keep track of your Saturn years old, you're only maybe one or two. (laughs) So keeping track of your age through Mars or Saturn or Jupiter will make you a lot younger than solar age, which can be a lot more fun. Of course, if I'm 19, then I just got the right to vote. But (laughs) but still, understanding the effect of Mars during its cycle is absolutely critical because during the two-year cycle, what's going to happen is you're going to have Mars in aspect to itself in your natal chart, which means in about six months, you'll get a Mars square Mars, and in about 12 months, you'll get a Mars opposition Mars, you know, usually. And then in 18 months, you'll get the Mars square Mars again. And then after the two years is over in 24 months, you'll have the Mars return. Now, many women or people that are into understanding or judging their relationship cycles follow this transit of Mars because Mars will teach us and reveal to us cycles of beginning and end or change and rebirth concerning relationships. So you can actually track your new relationships and track your breakups or your problems. Obviously, if you're a woman who is going through a Mars square Mars, you will probably be having a problem with all people and require a bit more space to yourself. So all relationships with anybody would be difficult, much less a husband or a boyfriend. And if you were a woman or a gay man who was having a Mars opposition Mars, this could be a possible breakup. Because an opposition can show separation or a passing or letting go or a processing of a part of your life that if it is not processed, then pain and karma would be the result in that. And there's two real positive cycles that I love approximately at nine months, okay, and at 15 months then you'll have the Mars trine Mars, which is very powerful as far as good health and feeling good and high sexual energies and high sexual experience. Mars trine Mars would also bring positive new relationships to a gay man or a heterosexual woman's life, typically because Mars trining itself is one of the best times during the Martian cycle to meet new people and people you have a Dharma with much more than just a karma with. During the Mars square Mars and the Mars opposition Mars, you are more likely to have a karmic experience or a pain or a debt that is owed, owed create or manifest. Now, the Mars return is interesting because every two years when Mars does come back to that point in your chart, and you know, it's very important to me to know where my Mars is. Like I'm having a Mars opposition Mars this year. Mars will be in Aries and actually it's going to retrograde in Aries. It'll be one of those times it will be in a sign for a long time starting in July. It'll go into Aries around the 12th, 13th stay there August, retrograde in August, remain there in September and October, and then back into Pisces for a little bit, then in November still in Aries, December also in Aries, and then into January going into Taurus finally. So this is one of those years where Mars will remain in one sign for quite a long time for the six-month period when I will have my half-Mars return, because all those people with Mars and Libra will be having half-Mars return. All you people with Mars and Aries will be having a long Mars return, not a half Mars, but a regular Mars return. Now, when Mars comes back to its birth point, it has a magical effect, just like when the sun returns during the solar return, like Saturn comes back after 28 to 30 years during a Saturn return, when Jupiter comes back after 12 years during a Jupiter return, Mars also has an impact during a Mars return, especially if it's a long one, like those of us that have Mars and Aries are about to go through. And usually, more than anything, what I define and understand Mars to bring when it does return to the birth point in the chart. And basically what this means is I don't care what your sun sign is. doesn't matter what your sun sign is. If you find out what your Mars sign is, where is the planet Mars located 
when you were born? That's the question. You look on your astroscope somewhere, you might be a Virgo sun and have Mars and Aquarius. Because Mars is usually never in the same sun sign. Occasionally it will be, but rarely is it in the same sun sign where your sun is in, right? So what you have to do in today's topic is fill in your abbreviations on the wheel of your astroscope, locate your Mars, it's usually shown by an MA, and then find out what degree it is. That's the first number or the number on top. Then what sign it is, those are the two letters, as shown by abbreviations on the bottom. Then what minute of degree, the last two numbers. Now once you've identified your Mars, hopefully you'll memorize it, then you'll be able to find our transits, you know, follow our transits, and zero in on when Mars will return in your chart. Now what this Mars return signifies when Mars finally goes through all 12 signs and returns to your birth point, not only is it a Martian birthday, this is a major symbol for beginnings and endings. Because Mars does force us to rebirth our health, number one, because it is the battery of life. Number two, it forces us to make a choice with whether we want to continue with existing relationships or send them off. And also imminently preparing us for new relationships. So many times I have seen during Mars returns and Mars transits with emphasis on the return itself, people break up and meet new people almost simultaneously. So you might notice, or if you've ever tracked your Mars return, this will be a time of breakup or overlapping sometimes of relationships where you meet someone new. This lets you know that it's an ending of what you're currently involved with. You process out what you're dealing with now as far as relationships are concerned, and someone new comes along. So a Mars return many times is a symbol of a karmic transition with men. As far as if you're a gay man looking at men as lovers, or if you're a heterosexual woman looking at men as lovers, we would analyze your natal Mars to understand this process, this cycle. Now, also, all people, heterosexual men, heterosexual women, gay men, and gay women, are also all affected by this relationship transition, which means that you could be a man and married happily. I got married during a Mars return. I got divorced during a Mars return. That's what happened to me. So I was married for two years. You got it. And that's why there are a lot of people married or going with people for just two years, because they meet on a Mars transit and they break up on a Mars transit. Now, we are going to continue some more with this Martian factor, the cycles of Mars. Tomorrow, we have an outstanding topic for you, the emotional factor or the lunar effect, the moon, and the famous lunar return or that 28-day cycle we go through every month, which is very, very important emotionally to figure yourself out. So you want to hear tomorrow's show. This is the Astrology Hour. I'm Farley Malaris, and we are here weekdays at 12 noon for your enjoyment, 12 noon to 1 o'clock, and also Tuesdays from 12 noon to 2 o'clock. We are a public-supported radio show. All right, Southern California, I'm Farley Malaris. This is a critical topic today, the Martian factor, or analyzing the cycles of Mars. This thing with Mars is interesting, because Mars is so powerful, you'll notice that Mars does trigger earthquakes. In October, when Mars was square Saturn and Uranus, we had the big quake then. Mars has just come into aspect to square Saturn and Uranus again, and you'll notice Sunday we had another shake. And, And I did mention... When we did all the shows in Nostradamus, I mentioned over and over again that we weren't going to have a major quake in May, but I did predict several times that I did expect to have a major quake of four points or greater in June. So we did the June 26th quake was 4.5 in Upland. So you only hear it right here in the Astrology Hour as way in advance. We always let you know when the quakes are due. We are showing an earthquake season also in July. So we could expect one or more, maybe two to three quakes in several areas of Southern California. Nothing greater than six points, hopefully, but because of the Martian transit, Mars being square Saturn and Uranus during much of this period, and opposed Neptune, that's why we're showing this also Venus opposed Neptune, and Venus opposed Saturn and Uranus, so will Mercury. So this is also important things. 
So it's something to be aware of. Mars is a planet that if you're having a Mars transit and is a square in opposition or a return, you are subject to being more temperamental, more irritable, many times more subject to pain or injury or accidents because your judgment might not be focused to where it is because the Martian part of your tendency or your behavior is a part of you that sometimes you can't control, that sometimes you can't really adjust or stabilize. Those of you that are married to people are going with people that are having a Mars transit, you might find that they're a little bit more temperamental, more irritable, more feisty, and sometimes more impulsive. They're not thinking straight. So obviously Mars cycles are critical because they can affect the most drastic changes in your life. Things like accidents or things like cutting yourself are major health symptoms that can happen sometimes during a Mars transit. That many times we're being asked to maintain our health, our diet or fast or detox or whatever, change things we're eating or whatever to avoid a major health problem. We don't pay attention to this during the Mars return, the Mars square, or the Mars opposition. And that's when we get into trouble with our bodies. I think the Martian factor is a major factor that rules the temple of the soul, the human body, and its overall health factor. So know your Mars cycles, and you can find your Mars cycle in your transit forecast, of course. The Mars square Mars, the Mars opposition Mars, the Mars conjunct Mars, and the Mars trine Mars. Also, whenever other planets are affecting your Mars in your natal chart, you're also subject to major changes in your persona, your temperament, and your life's battery, your health and such. So understanding Mars will explain a lot to you about men, about love, about life, about health, about your basic drives and instincts and such. And that's why it is a very important cycle to understand, to learn, and to respect. The Mars cycle, the Martian cycle, and that's our topic on the Astrology Hour. Let's go to online one. Hi. Hi, Farley. You know I always listen to you. Yes, every day. You know, I do have a good question now. I read an article about two young boys who were best of friends. They grew up together from like six years old, and the two were inseparable. They found them both. They drowned about a week ago. Both of them together. They were like seven feet apart. Now, if we had done a chart on each of those children, would it have showed them to have that kind of karma together? Because from what the people are saying, they were inseparable from the beginning. Well, how old were they? They were graduating high school, I guess 17, 18. Mm-hmm. When you link up to people that you love that much, Usually, we do find the uncanny conjunctions I have talked about several times on the show where we will find one or more exact numbers. Like, see, tomorrow, the meaning behind me knowing or loving someone that has a 17 Scorpio planet on my moon and an 18 Leo planet on my sun and a 15 Libra planet on my Mars, what that means is that when I go through a transit that affects 17 Scorpio, 15 Libra, 18 Leo, they may also go through a transit. I'll give you an example. The space shuttle people that died in the space shuttle, they had a bunch of conjunctions that were exact numbers that were all triggered on that day that led to their death and demise. If you got on a plane with a bunch of people that you had a karma with... Like the one in France. That's right. If if you got on a plane and realized at a later date that you shared a bunch of exact numbers that were all being set off at the same time during a transit, that could result in a group experience, a karmic experience, where the whole plane would go down. That's why when you get on board a plane, if you look around, if you feel like you're a stranger, you're better off. If you walk on board and you think you recognize everybody and you feel you start talking and having relationships with everybody, you got to start wondering, like, wow, this is like a big family here. Next thing you know, the cockpit gets ripped off and you land in Hawaii with no cockpit. But the thing with children are people that would die together. Oftentimes, you do find two to six exact numbers, exact planets that are all being triggered together at the same time during a transit. And oftentimes, that would leave to a window for both souls to walk out of the dimension together because they go through the same transit. Right. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
Wow. I love Mondays because some of the information that comes across in these questions, it's heavy. People think about these questions before they ask me sometimes. Let's go over here to Judy now on line five. Hi, Jude. Hi, how are you doing today? Real good. I have just a great question, but I had a quick question. Do you have any books you could recommend on Atlantis or Lemuria to read for us? Well, gosh, there's not a whole lot of real good books out there, in my opinion, on Atlantis. Most of the knowledge I have on Atlantis was knowledge that I learned from the Academy of Atlantis when I got my training in the early 70s, which is defunct. We have a tape on Atlantis of a show that we did on it once. And that's a good show. There's a lot of the history of Atlantis included in that show. I'm going to be coming up doing another show on Atlantis coming up this summer. This woman who was the psychic for the Academy of Atlantis, what Dana Marshall channeled the history of Atlantis through thousands of pages of information that she did automatic writing upside down and backwards. And that's where I learned all about it. So, you know, it's tough to find a real good book because Dana didn't publish anything. But, uh, you know, I'll be thinking about bringing up a show on it coming up here soon in the future. Okay, what's your question, hon? We speak in metaphysics and astrology about absolving karma, and I was just curious if parents can help absolve their children's karma. Like last week you had a topic about Neptune square or opposite moon and sun, and I noticed both my little boys, one has a (laughs) sun square Neptune and the other one has a moon opposite Neptune, and I'm just wondering if parents, we can help take care of that for them. I think a basic important point to teach all children is hope, faith, grace, mercy, open-mindedness, searching for further truth, and also a strong ethical background. I think, you know, trying to be too specific unless they ask could be a problem because when it comes to karma, it's best for the individual to absolve that themselves. You know, because we really can't change anyone unless they want to change. And these children that have these particular transits or these aspects They do have a definite karmic lesson to be learned. It can be hard for us to figure out in early life. But just teaching children basic, upstanding, major points, like hope, faith, truth, mercy, open-mindedness. I think too many of us teach our children bottom lines, and, and this is the way it is for me, so this is the way it is for you. And they grow up thinking that this is a bottom line, and that's what a lot of the problems we have in the world. So just sticking to those basics is my advice, okay? Great. Bye-bye. Hope, faith. Grace, mercy, open-mindedness, a search for further truth, maybe kindness, tenderness, gentleness, and compassion. I would also add to that. Let's go over here now to Maria on line six. Hi. Hi. I was just wondering, is there anything I could do to enhance my karma? (laughs) Well, I don't know if you want to enhance your karma. What you really want to do is absolve your karma. Absolve. Yeah, absolution of karma means actually recognizing, identifying a debt that you have with yourself from a past life concerning an obsession or another person, and making a peace or somehow processing that debt. So the best way to absolve karma, of course, is through transcendental meditation. Because then when you get into your higher self, you can look in perspective and context what the karma is, and you can envision it, and therefore your higher self processes it for you, sometimes without you having to go through the physical experience of the karma here on Earth. The other way to do that is to recognize a debt you might have with a situation, a career, a home, an object, a person, and if there's too much pain there, you might recognize that is also a debt, and then say goodbye to that person, bless them off, process them, and move on with your life. That's how you absolve your karma. Yeah, you create karma when you're mean to yourself and to people. When you hate yourself, you abuse yourself or objects or or people or pets. Whenever you're negative to anything in this dimension, then you create karma. Okay, I'm sorry. I should have said my good karma. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.
Let's go over here to Phil now on line two, calling long distance. Sorry to make you wait, Phil. That's okay. Listen, it's interesting that the last caller was talking about karma because that was a question I had before the show even started today. And my specific question was how, since we are here on Earth for a reason, which I assume the majority of it is for to absolve our karma, how can we go through our daily lives and our situations with people and situations and learn to recognize where our karma is so that we can get it behind us and help ourselves evolve? Karma... The earth dimension life is a hologram, it is an illusion, and it is a test for our souls to see if we can somehow be affected by placing more importance on something other than the spirit. So the basic lesson on earth is basically learning about spirit and embracing it and not letting anything penetrate or pierce the priority of your spirit. Now whenever you feel a pull to anything on this planet that overwhelms or pre-necessitates your relationship with your own spirit and the spirit of God, then that is karma. In other words, the desire to own a nice car, the desire to have money, the desire to have any kind of obsessive or compulsive or indulgent behavior is karmic. I need this person. I can't live without this person. I need this friend. I need this job. I need this home. Whenever you create a need in this dimension that supersedes your need to be spiritual, then that's karma, in my opinion. Does that help you? I don't know. This is so new to me that there's this one question that I've been running across over and over again. It's this importance of solving karma in order to grow and evolve. The lesson of a lot of our great sages is that you really don't need anything but your spirit to survive. That's right. And the illusion is that we need everything to survive, you know. And it's the illusion that traps us. Some of the happiest people in the world are people that don't have much. But they do have their spirit. And that's where they're rich in spirit. That's where the wealth is. You come into the dimension with the spirit. You leave with the spirit. You don't take anything you've created in this dimension with you. It's like going to Disneyland. You can't bring Disneyland out of Disneyland. You go there to have a good time. When it's over, it's over. There's no sense getting upset about it. We take life way too personal, in my opinion. It's a heavy subject, something you should sleep on probably, okay? Yeah. Okay, thanks, Phil. Bye-bye. All right. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't have all day to talk to everybody, but this has been a very exciting show for me. That's it. We'll see you real soon. Weekdays on the Fox at 12 noon. Have a great day.